Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and happy Saturday to everyone out there. You recognize this voice? Yes, it's me, Willie P, usually behind the screen and, and pressing the buttons and taking the phone calls, as Richie would put it. But here I am in this uh, Saturday morning edition of Southern Sports Central, the fifth quarter radio show. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in on this um, very chilly Saturday morning, December 21st, just uh, four four short days until Christmas, if you count this day um, as well as the, the day is still young. It is an 8 o'clock show. We'll be going on for two hours, um, covering a wide host of topics. Of course, the, the main conversation would be football, going from the high school level, starting with the Shrine Bowl that is uh, set to kick off, I think, at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And if you are unable to attend the game, well, no worries. Uh, they, they tweeted out yesterday or, or last night that the game will be um, it will be hosted on ESPN and so you can be able to tune in on ESPN 3 the uh, Shrine Bowl should be a good one as it is um, the South Carolina teams against the North Carolina teams and they will um, they will be uh, fighting each other there for who has bragging rights going into next year which uh, which state has the uh, better group of guys um, not to men- also not to mention, it goes without mentioning actually, that uh, North Carolina has had the upper hand in recent memory, but uh, the South Carolina boys they do have a uh, they do have a stout uh, talent pool that is representing the Palmetto State uh, going up against uh, the North Carolina neighbors up to the north. Then uh, into the college conversation with some uh, bowl game action last night, uh, some bowl games that are going to be happening uh, today as well as uh, on Sunday. And just uh, we we are now immersed into bowl season. Uh, um, Dan Wetzel is a a contributor to um, is a contributor to NCAA football. He was just stating facts. Uh, As of right now, there are two bowl victories in the 2019-2020 season, the bowl season. And the MAC has two wins and everybody else has as none. The ACC, the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, all your Power Fives, uh, nope, no wins yet, <laughs> as of yet. But um, it, just want to add a little bit of humor there. That's exactly what you look for um, in the in the two bowl victories going to the same conference. So uh, congratulations to the MAC um, as of right now. And then, uh, of course, week 16 in the NFL is up and coming. Some uh, games today, actually three games today, uh, and I will 
be diving into the matchups and uh, kind of breaking them down. And, uh, and of course, lots of other topics to dive into as well. Uh, college, uh, college basketball, NCAA basketball. I hinted it. Uh, I hinted to it yesterday morning on on the uh, Southern Sports Central show, the Friday edition of the show, and um, talked about James Wiseman. Yeah, now, James Wiseman, uh, he was a, a college uh, basketball player, not anymore, because he, he withdrew from the University of Memphis where he was enrolled and uh, was, was uh, playing basketball. But, of course, I will dive into all of that uh, whenever the time comes. And uh, – I mentioned also uh, dabbling into NASCAR. I, I didn't expect that I would be dabbling into um, into the sport this morning, but uh, the NASCAR community is mourning the passing of uh, of legend and um, a Daytona 500 winner. Uh, he was also the the winner of uh, six championships as as a team owner. Uh, Junior Johnson uh, passed away yesterday. Um, a, a very very unfortunate. Uh, news uh, passed away at the age of 88, uh, and and the question uh, that a lot of people are asking, and of course, of course uh, Junior Johnson is, is a Hall of Famer, um, but where does he rank among uh, the NASCAR greats? Um, and and there is an article out, and, and I will get around to reading it as well. Uh, talking just about how great that Junior Johnson was as a driver in, in NASCAR. So, um, but all all of that is uh, coming your way on this um, Saturday morning edition of Fifth Quarter Radio Show. My name, of course, is Will Porter. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, then don't don't be shy. Don't shy away from it. If you have something that you want to add, something that you want to talk about, uh, please be sure to. Uh, call the show, and the show uh, phone lines are open at Matt, Matt's Burgers Hotlines. The number to call is 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick time out here uh, just to just to gather some things around. And uh, Again, a, a great show on tap for you this morning as you are listening to the fifth quarter radio show on Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. We will be right back. I'm gonna need you to back up. I'm gonna need you to back up. I'm gonna need you to back up. 
Hell is you thinking I'm jumping and leaking and Leo is leaking immediately. Show up this evening and wait till you sleeping and wrap you up nice and neat in them sheets. Kick the door open, I'm scanning for motion. I'm just trying to make all my pockets so beast. Don't want the coochie, I just want the luchi. So me and all of my poochies can eat. Might rob two chains, but it's loose chains. Take his boo thing, I the TF chains and take him K and steak or something. Drop kick K and fake or something. Looking at me like I'm opaque or something. Don't I look like Drake or something? Shake a girl, make an earthquake or something. Better tell mankind and the take coming. I'm in the seven, I'm gonna act up. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. Spilling the tea, you stirring the cup. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. I'm in the seven, I'm gonna act up. If you are just joining us right now on this uh, Saturday morning, it is 8.10. Uh, welcome in. My name is Will Porter, and I am the host of this uh, Saturday morning fifth quarter radio show right here on Southern Sports Central. Now, uh, starting with the high school action, uh, the, the Shrine Bowl is today. It's this afternoon. It kicks off, I think, at 1 o'clock. Uh, you can catch it on ESPN. I think it is on ESPN uh, 3. And uh, the, the schedule, of course, is, is going to go uh, something like this. The, you know, the players, they're going to have breakfast this morning at, uh, at 9.15. Um, and uh, then the stadium gates will open at 10 a.m. The players will then leave for the stadium at 10.30. And they will warm up on the field from, um, from about 11 o'clock to 11.45 or so. Uh, the pregame activities are going to last for an hour starting at 12. Uh, and then the kickoff is at 1, and then after the game, uh, the players will, of course, return to their hotels, um, check out, and then return home. So, um, a lot to look forward to in this game, um, I do I do believe, because um, 
at least on the South Carolina side, I wish that I could have had a little bit more inside knowledge of uh, the players on the North Carolina um, roster. But uh, with this, with this roster here, uh, with uh, for uh, for the South Carolina Shrine Bowl roster, I can I can be able to uh, give a better um, just give, give overall a better sense of these players because some of them I've seen, uh, some of them uh, I have covered along with Richie, and just uh, the, the knowledge is better than if it was uh, with North Carolina players. So, uh, leading off on this roster is of course uh, Chapman High School. Uh, Chapman High School's uh, champion quarterback, um, McKeeley Colasardo, and he, he leads this roster, a 6'2", 206-pound quarterback, um, again, from Chapman High School. A lot of um, a lot of good players here on this roster. I, I should mention, um, uh, you know, I should mention Hakeem uh, McGett is from Berkeley High School. He's a wide receiver, 6'1", 170. Um, and then Mason Garcia, uh, the quarterback from Carolina Forest, yeah, I think he was also on the show. He's a he's a six four, two hundred and twenty pound beast of, of a quarterback there. Um, and then just looking around the just looking around this roster, some more uh, players from the Low Country. Um, Daryl Ware from Fort Dorchester. He's a linebacker, six three, two twenty one. He's uh, he's strapping the pads on, uh, sporting the number forty two. And then. Um, you keep going down this list as I, I'm just kind of scrolling and, and looking. Uh, you have Adam McKenna, offensive lineman from Somerville High School, scoring the number 70. He was on the show on Monday morning talking about uh, talking about this opportunity and how much that it, it truly does mean to him. Uh, and, and just to, to get on out there and to um, uh, just to really continue to play, to, to continue to play the game. Uh, so you had a Dutch Fork player, uh, Dutch Fork High School's uh, defensive lineman Trey Irby, sporting the number 99. He's six, uh, he's six foot even, 265 pounds, um, an absolute stud on the other side of the ball. That defense, uh, of course, from Dutch Fork was was great. Uh, the Tennessee commit himself, um, Mr. Wide Receiver Jalen Hyatt, he was one of the Mr. Football finalists as well, if you remember from the North South game. Uh, 6'3", 175 pound wideout will be sporting the number 84 for uh, the South Carolina uh, roster there. And then, and then just looking through, you have some more Kamel uh, Spells, excuse me, defensive end from Myrtle Beach High School. Uh, he'll be playing in this game as well. I'm looking at uh, just looking at some more. Uh, I've already mentioned Adam McKenna. Um, Briggs Curse is from Barnwell, uh, offensive lineman. He uh, he did a lot of uh, good protection up front against those uh, against the players at Oceanside that I, I got to see uh, them perform at a very high level in the uh, I think in the lower state final of the 2A um, and, and 2A competition in football. Um, and just uh, Jalen, uh, yes, Jalen Schuler from Abbeville. He, he's an outside linebacker, 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, a lot of the Saluda players talking about him and, and just how dangerous that he is, uh, you, you have to account for him uh, and what and what he's able to do uh, to to opposing offenses. And I'm sure that he'll um, them putting a game plan together to utilize uh, utilize him and his talents. Uh, Tyler Venables from Daniel High School. He was also a 
uh, Mr. Football finalist. He's a defensive back from, of course, Daniel High School, as I said, five foot eleven, hundred ninety-five pounds. Uh, and and then you just you look through this roster, and I, I think that every program, uh, almost every program, is represented, and every program is uh, worthy of having a player here, um, a player on this list, uh, some somewhere, some way. And uh, I, I think it's just it's awesome to it's awesome to see this. Um, you know, coming all coming together. So uh, for for South Carolina this year, uh, the head coach is Dean Boyd from York Comprehensive High School, and uh, th- there's a lot of uh, that I from what I remember, and and I have uh, connections kind of all over um, York County, Chester County, and the upstate like up near Rock Hill. They are very competitive when it comes to football. Now, now it's uh, there is completely different from from the Low Country's perspective or even the Upstate. Um, but York has a very uh, competitive uh, football program that they continue to uh, shuttle out players every year uh, that go that go on to play football at the next level. From from what I've heard in in the past and in recent memory, they they have been good. So, uh, congratulations to Dean Boyd. He is your head coach for the South Carolina team. The assistant coaches. Go as follows: Daryl King from Lakeview High School, uh, Bobby Marion is uh, is a Low Country uh, coach from West Ashley. Greg Greg Porter, of course, from Greenville High School. Uh, Jamie Nichols from Abbeville, um, and uh, congratulations to him. I'm sure that that's a very uh, very prized honor to be an assistant coach, uh, of course, coming from Abbeville. And uh, Bob uh, Vosbrink from Carolina Forest High School. Paige Wofford from D.W. Daniel High School. And then, uh, and then from uh, just the North Carolina side, you have uh, Reedsville High School's uh, Jimmy Teague. And, and I feel like that is a, uh, that is a noble name to, uh, to have. But um, I, I, do, I do want to highlight some past coaches from South Carolina. Last year's uh, head coaching staff had uh, Fort Dorchester's Steve LaPrade as a, an assistant coach. And then uh, Kenneth Turner from Peeling High School, uh, he he was a um, he was an assistant coach there as well, um, and, and Jackie Hayes was the head coach from from Dillon High School uh, there last year. And so, but and the, in how they go about picking these coaches, um, it's it's a, I think it's a it's a very articulate process. It's um, something that is heavily uh, heavily considered. Um, Every every year, and and they are they are selected of course by a committee. So uh, congrats to those guys. Congrats to the players. Congrats to the coaches. And um, definitely, at least for me, I am going to be rooting for the uh, South Carolina side as it is um, it is going to be a, a great game. The, the Shrine Bowl, what they what it means, uh, what they're going to do, and so it's the eighty the eighty third annual uh, Shrine Bowl with the Carolinas in North and South Carolina. Uh, so it's today at one o'clock. Uh, kickoff is is there on ESPN, and it's at Gibbs Stadium at Wofford College. Uh, and they bring these kids all over from from North and from South uh, Carolina. And the the product that they put on the field it's it's just a little display of of just how talented that uh, the, these young athletes really are, uh, and and these. Uh, young athletes and what they do to, to strive for, for championships and to strive for excellence. Um, and so, and like I said, 
congratulations to everyone. Congratulations to the coaches that were uh, selected to, to, of course, be coaching these, uh, to be coaching these players up as well. So uh, with that, I'm going to quickly transition to uh, the college conversation, uh, weekend bowl games, uh, two of them that uh, kicked off last night, two of them that were won. And then the rest, uh, we got about one, two, three, four, six, six games uh, this afternoon, uh, the action starting at 2 o'clock over there on ESPN. And uh, just to quickly recap, uh, the first game of, of the night was uh, the Makers wanted Bahamas Bowl. And, and that one, I'll be honest with you, wasn't, probably wasn't even close. Um, Buffalo rolled over uh, the Charlotte. I think this is the, I think this team was the 49ers, uh, and they roll over them 31 to nine. Uh, they 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 got a head start in the second half, or or in the first half, if you will. Uh, they went up 17 to nothing by halftime, and uh, it and, and it just stayed there. So uh, the Buffalo team goes uh, goes to an eight and five record. Um, Charlotte 49ers, uh, and this is UNC Charlotte. Those 49ers, they uh, they leave the season at seven and six. So, um, a lot, I think a lot of good plays. Nothing really, um, nothing really big. Well, there was a big one, um, a, a touchdown pass, 51 yards from uh, from a quarterback, Victor Tucker, to uh, receiver Chris Chris Reynolds, and they they tried a, a two point conversion that um, that obviously failed after that. So. Uh, just, just a lot to really, uh, lot to really take in there. Of course, we're at Thomas Robinson uh, Stadium, um, in in Nassau, and Buffalo was um, the seven point favorite uh, in this game. And so, uh, just to quickly to quickly recap again, thirty one to nine, and uh, and a way a good way to uh, kickstart the the bowl season, if you will. Uh, the second game. I think it kicked off later on in the afternoon, uh, probably about four o'clock. Uh, Kent against uh, the university, or no, um, Utah State University. There it is. Uh, both teams in the year at seven and six, and it was the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. That's uh, that's quite the quite the mouthful to give there. Um, so to kind of kind of give you a um, kind of give you a box score. Of of this, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good quarterback play, but uh, I think it was really highlighted with with the rushing game, especially for Kent State. Um, they they had a player rushing for uh, 147 yards, three three 23 times, uh, and having one touchdown on the night, and, and and it was a it was a high scoring game, that is for sure. Dustin Crum was that uh, was that running back, by the way, but. Uh, looking just uh, kind of quickly looking, it was uh, scoring left and right for for much of this game. Um, the 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 biggest play I think coming from uh, the Kent uh, side of the ball, they had a a 78 yard touchdown pass from uh, their quarterback Isaiah McCoy over to uh, the the player that I just mentioned, Dustin Crum, and uh, just a lot of good a lot of good play overall as I'm looking. Um, Utah State's uh, Devin Tompkins had a 57-yard uh, touchdown run, and and that was a I think that was a good play there. But you know, Kent Kent had control of this game uh, for the most part. It was at Toyota Stadium and over in Frisco, Texas. 
Um, and Utah State had uh, the seven-point advantage uh, that they were that they were thinking about um, thinking about winning, and, and the over/under uh, definitely exceeded. It was at 72. This game, um, well over 72. I think it ended at 92. Both both teams scoring very high up. Um, maybe a lot of people kind of saying, you know, maybe this wasn't the, the game that they were thinking to, to be scoring so highly upon, but nonetheless, uh, Kent comes out with the win uh, by 10 in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Of course, it's the Frisco Bowl because it is in Frisco, Texas. Anyway, uh, today's matchups will go as follows. Uh, starting off at 2 o'clock is the New Mexico Bowl. You have uh, Central Michigan going up against uh, San Diego State. Now, San Diego State is, uh, according to ESPN's uh, Football Power Index, they are 52.7% uh, favorites in the, in the matchup predictors. Uh, and it, it's, it's, a lot to, it's a lot to look at here. Again, it is at a, it's a dream-style stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, coverage will start at 2 o'clock on ESPN. And you can be able to follow up, follow along on ESPN. Now, San Diego State coming off of a win against um, their opponent, BYU, uh, back in November. They won that game 13-3. to They've won three of their last five. Uh, so have uh, Central Michigan. Uh, and, and just looking, looking at this matchup and what you can expect in, in this game, um, not really, not really much coverage on it um, as far as uh, before. Um, but against the spread, uh, San Diego State is favored by three. So expect this to be a expect this to be a close game. Um, and uh, San Diego is seven and five against the spread. Um, Central Michigan is nine and four against the spread. And whatever that means to you, uh, of course, the money line. The money line is going. Um, Money line is going towards Central Michigan. They they are at um, a plus 135, and the over and under is 41. That is the first game, the New Mexico Bowl. Then uh, at 2:30, uh, kind of kicking off at the same time, uh, you have uh, Liberty and uh, Georgia Southern, um, the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. I think this is the Cure Bowl. Yes, uh, and it is uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, this is kicking off at 2:30 on CBS. Uh, Georgia Southern is favored by four and a half. The over and under is 58. Uh, and and uh, just just looking at uh, Liberty's uh, Liberty's last five, they have won two of their last five. Uh, Georgia Southern, of course, has won three of their last five. Uh, uh, not even really going on on much of a a streak, if you will. And uh, Georgia Southern ended up beating um, Appalachian State uh, before the October month rounded out. And then Liberty's last win came against, uh, I think this was New Mexico State University, 49-28 win over uh, the Lobos, I think that they are. Um, and so we're, we're looking at this, uh, and both both teams are standing at 7-5. and five. That, That's a good winning record. 60.6% chance that uh, Georgia Southern wins this FBC Mortgage Curve Bowl. That, again, kicks off at 2.30 on CBS. Then on ABC at 3.30, you have uh, – SMU against Florida Atlantic and uh, uh, Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. And that one, again, kicks off on ABC. Um, SMU, uh, again, they, they, are, they are up and coming in the ranks of, of being, um, being good teams, being excellent teams. These, these two teams going against each other, um, they both have 10 wins. 
I think Florida Atlantic had uh, participated in a, a group of five uh, championship game. They are currently 10 and three. SMU is at 10 and two. SMU is favored eight and a half in this game, um, but uh, it, it's almost clear cut down the middle. FAU is favored 52.7% according to the Football Power Index uh, rankings. The over under is 64 and a half. Um, SMU's won three of their last five. FAU's gone undefeated uh, against against competition in their last five games. Um, this this game is going to be at Florida Atlantic's uh, stadium um, in Boca Raton, Florida, and coverage again will begin at E on ABC at 3:30. Uh, 5:30 again going back to ESPN, uh, FIU, and I think this is Arkansas State. I do want to say I, I don't want to. Um, yes, it is Arkansas State. Got it right. Um, 5.30 on ESPN. Uh, Arkansas State is favored by one. Favored by one. For, uh, Florida International, they are, uh, of course, an even 6-6 six and six record. Arkansas State sitting at 7-5, and five, and this is the um, Camila Bowl. And the, the uh, over and under is uh, currently sitting at 60 uh, and a half. Arkansas State has won four of their last five, two of their last five. Uh, Florida International has one. This one is uh, at the Crampton Bowl oh, down there in Montgomery, Alabama. Right now it is raining and 48 degrees. So hopefully that the rain clears out and that they can those boys can be able to play ball. Then uh, the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. This one uh, this one is a little bit of a bigger a bigger game, a bigger matchup with a lot more to um, a lot more to play for as. Um, this is going to be played at uh, Sam Boyd Stadium there in Las Vegas. I, must, I do believe that that is where the Raiders are going to be moving to. Um, then again, I could be I could be wrong. But uh, this is uh, 7:30 on ABC. You can be able to catch that game uh, right there in, in prime time at the right time. Uh, currently, the spread sits. Washington is favored by three and a half, and over under is 48 and a half. Uh, there um, for the entire matchup. I think Washington is really favored in in this game. Uh, just just something to really uh, I guess keep in mind here is uh, the the storyline that um, that currently sits for um, uh, Chris Peterson. Now Chris Peterson is the head coach for Washington. Uh, it should be it should be renamed the Chris Peterson Swan Song Bowl in reference to the Washington coaches. Uh, this is his final game before his departure in a matchup uh, between the two programs that he has led. Uh, now, of course, Washington is a is a three and a half point favorite, um, and, and just one of half dozen games that that are uh, on board for this. Now, uh, Peterson is the offensive coordinator, or he was an offensive coordinator and coach for for the Broncos from 2001 to 2013. He submitted his resignation from uh, from the Huskies on December second, following an underwhelming season, um, and uh, they were preseason co-favorites with Utah at three and one to win the Pac-12, but uh, they went four and five straight up um, in conference play, and um, it's it, it's unfortunate, really, uh, for a team that was uh, making a college football playoff appearance uh, just a, just a couple of years ago, a short number of years ago. And, uh, and they haven't been back since. But they are in a bowl game. It's the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. Two, uh, two teams. I think one one is, uh, of course, Pac-12. The other one is, um, I think, uh, uh, Mountain West, if I do believe uh, to be correct. So 
Uh, that game is definitely one to look forward to. And then the second one in prime time, again, 9 o'clock on ESPN, is uh, uh, the RNL Carriers, New Orleans Bowl. You can guess where this one is, right? New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans at the Mercedes-Benz Stuper, Superdome. Superdome, yeah, stu- stupendous Superdome. Um, coverage begins at 9 o'clock on ESPN there, and it is at Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans now. Uh, Appalachian State has won their last five. They have they have gone on to um, beat the likes of South Carolina, Georgia State, uh, Texas State, Troy, and um, this is uh, University of Louisiana or UL Lafayette. Um, UAB they have won three of their last five, and uh, it was not a pretty outing. Their last game against Florida Atlantic, forty nine to six, was that final score, and. Uh, just looking at it right now, Appalachian State is a heavy favorite at 16.5, and the over and under is uh, currently sitting at uh, 47.5 there. Um, Appalachian State is favored 83.3% to win this game. Um, I, I think that it, it should be a good matchup, uh, a good in, indicator of, um, of just how good that the Mountaineers have been uh, under their head coach, uh, who is going to be heading to Missouri. Uh, this was a one-year. This was a one-year uh, experiment, if you will. Um, and it's unfortunate that Appalachian State is going to be missing out or, or losing a, a coach such as this to take them 12 and one on the year, his first year as a as a head coach. And so those are the six games to watch out for, and uh, six games to really um, to really be intrigued by. And uh, and and just looking ahead into. Um, looking ahead into the future, there are no bowl games um, as of uh, until Monday. Monday, uh, we'll, of course, get into those uh, games. But you have one game on Monday, one game on Tuesday, Christmas Eve. And then, of course, there's Christmas on Wednesday. And to make up for that, you have two bowl games on Thursday. That's how that works out. Um, and it should be, should be good. Should be should be really good. But um, – a lot of a lot of news to also get into uh, as well with the NFL. NFL play is uh, continuing. Week 16 uh, it's now getting it's getting down to crunch time, and it is um, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting um, matchup to say the least. A lot of uh, division titles that are on the line. Um, the first game to make note of is Houston and Tampa Bay. Now Houston is uh, currently sitting as a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Buccaneers. But Houston, again, they're having to – they're going to have to watch out for a Tampa Bay team who has won four straight. And, uh, of course, they, they may be out of the, the playoffs, but they are a dangerous team to look out for. And uh, in Tampa Bay, uh, let's just hope that they, that they go against this uh, Houston team and um, are, are able to put uh, points on the board uh, early. And to be able to shut down a shut down an offense that uh, looked looked so great against New England, but then just uh, hit the snooze bar um, against the team uh, that that uh, a Denver team 38-24 just uh, uh, two short weeks ago. Um, next one is to decide the AFC East: it's Buffalo against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. That game kicks off at 4:30 on NFL Network. Uh, New England is favored six and a half, and then in prime time, eight fifteen, the LA Rams and the San Francisco 49ers uh, will play in San Francisco at Levi Stadium. And San Francisco is uh, also favored 
by six and a half to win this game against the, the Rams. The Rams, the Rams have hit a snag uh, this year. I don't know whether it's uh, Sean McVay uh, and, his, and his coaching, um, how teams have been able to figure that out. Uh, I've even speculated as far as going uh, to say Jared Goff has not uh, performed to the standard that we were used to seeing of him and like just really utilizing the offense on all fronts. Now, there's a number of reasons you can you know, throw out there left and right or, or whichever direction that you want to. But, you know, when it's all said and done, you, you have to um, you have to really consider uh, just exactly the competition that they're going up against in the NFC West uh, with a team the likes of, likes of San Francisco and the likes of, uh, um, of, a, of a Seattle and the Seahawks there. So then on Sunday, kicking uh, off at 1 o'clock, and you got one, two, three, four, uh, six, seven games kicking off at 1 o'clock on, um, on Sunday for this NFL slate of games. Uh, Jacksonville going up against the, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons are, are currently, um, I, do want, I do want to say that they are playing for, uh, Doug, I think it's Doug Peterson's job um, there. He, it, it's, oh gosh, I think it's fantastic. Um, Jacksonville is 5-9 five, five and nine on the season. They just, they just released their, uh, I think, the general manager, Tom Coughlin, uh, just a few short days ago. And so both teams are sitting at five and nine. Uh, this game is going to kick off at one o'clock on Fox. Atlanta's favored seven points. They're on the slate, and that, that one should be that should be a good game. Julio Jones has been on fire. Uh, so is Matt Ryan. Um, just a rejuvenated team um, that in an NFC South rivalry matchup. That should be, uh, I think, it should be a good game, but. You don't expect Atlanta to blow it, or don't don't expect Jacksonville to keep it close. I would expect Atlanta to blow it out of the water. Uh, then you have an AFC North. This is the AFC North uh, matchup: Baltimore, uh, the Ravens, going up against the Browns. You know, Baltimore is favored by ten points. Probably should be more, but uh, think back think back to earlier this year when uh, Cleveland won their first game. It was against uh, Baltimore. That's the one one of the two games that Baltimore has uh, only lost, and so. Uh, this this Cleveland team, this Cleveland team is is shot. Um, you know, I, I highlighted it on um, Wednesday or Thursday on the morning show with Richie. If I ever was going to hound the team so much, it would have been the the Cleveland Browns because they they have so much talent, but yet they they don't know how to use it. I I feel like they just don't know how to use it as as much as they should. Now Baker Mayfield. He's appeared in more commercials. He, he, he's, he's thrown more interceptions um, than he has touchdowns. And, and I say that because, you know, they are the same at 17. And they, they just have, they have a lot of, um, they have a lot of players that are questionable for this. Um, but I would expect Baltimore to just blow Cleveland out of the water. And uh, the, the, the spread is sitting at nine and a half in favor of Baltimore. The over and under is forty nine and a half. I'd expect it to be higher, but nonetheless, uh, I'm going to roll roll through the rest of these quickly, and then and then try to get to some uh, notable matchups that that are are very meaningful. The Monday night game uh, for Green Bay uh, going up against Minnesota in Minnesota, Minneapolis. That that's a good game to to look out for. But um, New Orleans uh, going going into uh, Tennessee to play the Titans. 
New Orleans is currently favored at uh, two points. I'm not really sure why, but uh, Tennessee is, is a good team. They they are they're being led by by a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Uh, seems to have rejuvenated the offense um, in, in recent weeks. That game is going to kick off on Fox, uh, on a Fox channel at 1 o'clock. Um, Carolina Panthers up against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, that game also on Fox at 1 o'clock. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are favored 6.5 against the spread. Uh, Carolina, I think, has made their bet on the season at this point. Uh, they, they fire um, – gosh, they fire Ron Rivera trying to think of the coach's name, but it escaped me for a moment. They fired Ron Rivera, and uh, and, and I think that Cam Newton's uh, time in, in Carolina is almost up. He, he will become a free agent, I think, uh, at the end of this season. And so it, it's going to be a tale of, is Carolina going to move forward with uh, drafting another quarterback um, and, and taking their chance in the draft, or are they going to uh, go after – somebody else in the free agent market, another quarterback, or are they going to stick with what they have with either uh, Kyle Allen or, or Will Greer? Um, and when I say they made their bed, they, they are, of course, uh, off the top of my head, they have named Will Greer the starter, uh, the rookie quarterback, uh, to be the starter for the Carolina Panthers for the rest of the season. Uh, on to uh, two teams. Uh, should be nothing short of spectacular. Cincinnati and Miami. Uh, Cincinnati's one and thirteen. Miami's three and eleven. Miami's been doing a really good job with uh, with um, you know being able to play um, play at a at a good enough level to, to be able to win a few games. Um, and of course, it's just with, with, with what they've been given. Brian, Brian Flores, in my opinion, should um, be up for our Coach of the Year, at least being in consideration because uh, you knew the culture going in with the Miami Dolphins. And this is me just kind of getting my two cents out there. Um, you knew that the Miami Dolphins were going to sink this year. And uh, for him to not really embrace the tank culture, which uh, which in my opinion is, is very bad for the sport, very bad for, for all sports. And it doesn't guarantee you a, um, doesn't guarantee you a good uh, standing within, within the draft or, or however you look at it. But um, Cincinnati is favored by one, by one. Uh, imagine that. And so, Miami has done a really good job with the personnel that they that they have uh, currently on staff, and um, you know Brian Brian Flores. This is his first year, um, and so uh, give him a mulligan on this one because uh, you, you don't really give him much to work with, and you give you give him a quarterback who is uh, he, he's not so much on his last leg, but you got to know that uh, Fitzpatrick is um, he he's not a starting caliber quarterback. But he's good enough to have a job in the NFL. That's neither here nor there. Next game on CBS. Again, this is a 1 o'clock kickoff time. Uh, Pittsburgh against the New York Jets. Uh, Pittsburgh is – I think they are vying for a wild card spot. And they, they are they are just trying to uh, scratch and crawl their way into making it. Uh, Pittsburgh is three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against the spread. The Jets, five and nine right now, and uh, we, we all know – the Jets and the struggles that they've been going through this this season, and so we'll we'll see what happens with, with that game. And then the three and eleven matchup, New York Giants against the Washington uh, Redskins. They're in Washington D.C. Washington is favored by one point. This is a kickoff one o'clock on Fox. And then uh, starting in the four o'clock hour, you have uh, Detroit and Denver. Detroit is um, 
Detroit made the choice to stick with their head coach, Matt Patricia. Uh, and I, I think that that's a, that's a good indicator for um, them, them trying to, they're them trying to win with a, with a coach that was under the Bill, Bill Belichick coaching tree. Um, and so as, as I'm looking at it right now, Denver is favored seven points and, and they've, they've been, I think they've won um, two of their last three. Maybe, maybe I am wrong. Uh, they, they lost against Kansas city last week, 23 to three. They rolled over Houston 38 to 24. And, um, uh, yes. And then they beat, they beat the Chargers. So yes, they won two of their last three. So look at me, I'm right on the money. Uh, and so they, they of course are favored up against the Detroit team, who's gone three ten and one. Uh, so kickoff is at four oh five there on CBS. Then Oakland Raiders take on the five and nine Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are favored at seven and a half. Uh, that game is going to kick off also on CBS. And you know the Chargers, the Chargers have been the biggest surprise this year as, as when it comes to them uh, losing as many games as they have because. It was such a strong team. They they made a playoff push uh, deep into January this this past year, this past season, and um, now for them to be in the position that they are in, it's it is shocking to me. You know just how much they, um, just how much they have struggled down the stretch, and uh, they they are favored. Doesn't guarantee that they will win. They do uh, have home field there in, in L.A. Um, but I expect the Oakland faithful to follow them, maybe because uh, they they have a slightly better record at six and eight. The Oakland Raiders do, and uh, their final game was played at the Coliseum, where they lost to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, and that was a that was quite the sight to see uh, to behold there. Then an NFC East uh, matchup again: Dallas and Philly. Dallas in Philadelphia, both seven and seven, both trying to clinch a uh, playoff spot. <laughs> To represent the NFC East, man, I, I tell you, it's it's incredible to see this this NFC East um, uh, these four teams, man. Uh, hurts me, it hurts me, it hurts me, it really does. Um, Four twenty five kickoff on Fox. Dallas is favored by two points, by two points. Um, so maybe somebody will get a safety. I don't know, and. Um, you know, Doug, Doug Peterson is uh, continuing to, um, you know, try as best he can. Uh, he's two years removed from a Super Bowl uh, championship, and uh, he, he's currently seven and seven, struggling to um, vying for it for a playoff spot. I think this this game is going to determine so much in the NFC East that that um, you might you might as well just tune in because it may be good football, it may be terrible football. We'll see. Um, but Dallas is. They're trying their hardest um, to save Jason Garrett's job. Either that or Jason Garrett's job is already decided for him, and uh, we'll see. And the next short weeks is Black Black Monday is shortly approaching. Ah, yes, Black Monday. Um, Arizona and Seattle. Seattle Seahawks uh, play host to the Arizona Cardinals. Again, this this game starts at 425 on Fox. Uh, Seattle's favored by nine. Yes, by nine. And uh, Arizona, I think – you know, Cliff King, uh, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, has done has done an excellent job with with Kyler Murray, um, so far. But you know, it's uh, still growing, still trying to get back to get back to relevancy, if you will. Um, it's it's hard to determine that, of course, uh, when it, when you have some kind of measure of success. You know, Kyler Murray was, um, 
he has been been noted recently possibly have a have a case for being the best quarterback in in Texas football history. Uh, I say that because I heard it. If you heard it somewhere, you know, it's got to be true, right? No. Um Kyler Murray he won I think two, maybe three state championships whenever he was a starter um starter at his high school there in in uh, Texas. Uh and he's won he's won state championships. He he went to I think he went to Texas Tech. And transferred, of course, to Oklahoma in the Lincoln Riley system, and then uh, in in that uh, in that light of things, in that avenue, that's where you have these. Um, oh gosh, it's where it's where you have these um, the, the cultivators of success, and then he won the Heisman there, and um, Arizona was a good, I think, a good fit for him um, as far as the, with the hiring of Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury wanted to bring in his own guy, and that that guy is Kyler Murray, so. Um, here's the next year. They are four and four and nine, uh, a better record than the Detroit Lions that they tied at the beginning of the season. So uh, hats hats off to them. Um, but again, Seattle has us uh, in the bag. I think um, they are favored by nine. So gotta go with the uh, gotta go with the spread and what it says. Uh, then Sunday night football night in America, Kansas City travels to the Windy City in Chicago. Um, Kansas City is favored, of course, by six points. This game is going to kick off at 820 on NBC. And uh, you can catch this action here as uh, Kansas City is uh, still trying to be atop the AFC. In the, and Chicago, I think, is, is trying to buy for, um, still trying to keep alive and possibly a wild card spot. Anything can happen uh, going into these games, uh, even though there is two weeks left in, in the regular season, uh, if you count this one. So, uh, Monday night, I think, is the, in, in my opinion, it is the biggest game because you have the Green Bay Packers 11-3 and and the Minnesota Vikings 10-4. and This game will possibly decide um, who either either who wins the NFC North or if if this is good, if the conversation is just going to uh, continue from there. And and the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers are um, both favorites. Uh, to to represent the NFC North, but of course uh, that depends on who you talk to. Now Green Bay, I think, does have the upper hand, but they have a team that is more more or less reliant on on a different Aaron, not Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Jones, the running back, and what he's what he's been able to do on the ground. It's no it's no fault to Aaron Rodgers, and and what what he's had to work with that receiving core is, has been struggling uh, as of late. And if green Bay is going to get anything together, they're going to have to utilize, they're going to have to utilize Aaron Jones a lot more uh, to, to put him out right or put him in the slot, making him a receiver to run routes um, or, or the receivers just have to step up and, and do their jobs uh, the way that they were, the way that they were intended to do so. Um, and so green Bay, you know, going up against Minnesota, this is, this has, all the implications, all the chips are, are going to be on the table. It's going to be a great, uh, such a great game to, to see, uh, to witness. Minnesota's favorite five and a half, by the way. Whew, that game scheduled at 8.15 again on ESPN uh, on Monday night football. Now, uh, as I'm looking at the, these news uh, articles here, uh, Daniel Jones is back to start for the Giants. Um, over Eli Manning, you know, 
uh, as you know, Eli, he, he went back out there for two weeks and he, he went one and one. And so he, he's back at, he's back at a uh, par for the course, 500 record uh, in his career, uh, win loss wise. And um, I think that Daniel Jones being back is, is probably a good thing. Uh, but, you know, for Eli Manning, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure that you would want to rest Daniel Jones um, with, with this season uh, essentially being over for the Giants. But um, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see this, um, this dynamic because it is, it is a passing of the torch. Dan, Daniel Jones uh, returning after missing two games with a high ankle sprain. And they, they cleared Jones yesterday, and he practiced without limitations. Um, you know, Coach Pat Schirmer said that Jones will start barring anything unforeseen while uh, uh, Eli Manning heads back to the bench. Um, Schirmer said that he looked good and that he's prepared and ready to go. And so uh, Manning helped the Giants snap a nine-game losing streak by defeating the Miami Dolphins at home in a game that was treated by fans as a send-off uh, for Manning. The Giants were always going, uh, going back to Jones as the starter. Uh, when he was healthy, he is their future as the number six overall pick in this year's draft. And Manning, who is 38, set to become a free agent at the end of this season. The two-time Super Bowl winner has thrown six touchdown passes, five interceptions in his uh, 16th, 16th season uh, with the Giants. And so uh, just a, just kind of a reflection here, Jones. He, he hurt his ankle early this month in a loss to the Green Bay Packers. Uh he ditched. Just reading this, kind of tiring me. Uh, and so he ditched the walking boot. He was a limited participant in practice last week, and then he's he became a full participant this week. So, um, ball security, I think, is uh, the big thing. Making sure that um, doing my part in protecting the ball, making sure as an offense we're protecting the ball. Jones said in an interview. Uh, that way it gives us the best chance to win. That's the most important thing in these last two weeks is to win games, and to win two games, if you will. Um, so that's that's a look across the board at football. You know, I've gone a straight hour without a break really talking about all these things. And so and if you want to uh, quickly jump into this conversation, uh, I mean, by golly, uh, feel free to do so. The number to call in again, 323-784-96. 81. That number again is 323-784-9681. I'd, I'd love to hear from you and uh, what matchups that you are uh, most looking forward to here uh, as as football is kind of uh, stirring up crunch time, but also winding down in other areas of, of the game. Um, you know, the bowl, the bowl games and, and college football and um, week 16 in the regular season. It's going to be the last couple of. Uh, it's going to be the last few games, the last two games that most teams get to play this year. And then playoff push for others. So, uh, with that being said, uh, I'm looking into the top of the hour and, and uh, finding conversations to talk about. Um, something that I did want to mention that I did want to bring up was the fact of. Signing day. Signing day was on Wednesday. The whole uh, early national signing period was early this week. And uh, talking some winners and losers of that game, uh, of, of the, uh, you know, the wonderful um, college football uh, selection show. Um, and, and just a lot of, uh, just a lot to look at here. 
a lot to dissect, a lot to dive into, and it's and it's meaningful. I, I do I do want to say it is meaningful for us to dive into these games. So, uh, without further ado, I am going to call a quick timeout here to to regroup to uh, to reconvene with y'all. If you have anything you want to add, uh, again, please feel free to do so and uh, let me know what you think of. Let us know what you think of the show, what you want to talk about, any anything else, and um, and all and all these other topics to to dive into. Um, yeah, it, it's I think it's a great show going on right now. It is uh, 8:55 as it stands, and uh, we are going to continue rolling here on Southern Sports Central into hour number two. Uh, is going to be coming your way in just a few short minutes, so uh, sit tight. You are listening to the fifth quarter radio show on Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Will Porter. We will be right back. Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance That has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove That soothes and moves romance Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause this is summertime Summertime.
then six, the clock rolls around. You just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applies in the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing, leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. And welcome back in, everybody. Time is 9.01. Uh, hour number two of this uh, fifth quarter radio show coming at you live on Southern Sports Central. My name, again, is Will Porter. If you are just joining us, how in the world did you get here? Uh, seriously. Uh, thank you for, for tuning in, everybody. And uh, I hope that it's a fun show. It's a lot to talk about, a lot to dive into. Um, although it may not seem that way, there there are some um, some news and stories that I have uh, uh, been been coming across the, in the world of sports this past week, and kind of want to deliver it to you. Uh, if you want to join in on the conversation to um, to divert the conversation, or just plain want to hear me not talk anymore, uh, the number to call in is three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. We we're having a great show, a great conversation. Um, I I do think we're we're going to continue with the, a little bit of the the college football um, aspect of things and. Um, just kind of dive into the, the winners and the losers of um, the winners and losers of National Signing Day. Now, National Signing Day, of course, was on Wednesday, uh, and a lot of good things, um, a lot of good things that were were, were put together. Um, a lot of um, the top talent that is in that is in the country with these uh, high school uh, young athletes here. And they now have a place to, uh, I guess, call home for the next four years or the next place that they're going to be playing uh, football for the next four years. So um, I do I do want to uh, get out there, of course, uh, the, the there was an article written by Max Olson from The Athletic uh, talking about how the talking about the winners and loser uh, and loser is in the uh, in parentheses here and loser. 
from the first day of 2020's um, early signing period. Now, um, when all the signatures were sent and the day was done, only 13 of the nation's top 100 recruits were, uh, of course, left unsigned. This is uh, directly quoting from the article. They still had uh, the two more days to lock in their college choice before we do this all over again in February. But for the vast majority of recruits this Wednesday in December has become the ultimate decision day. And so uh, we've, we've already said that Clemson is um, Clemson is the number one uh, winner of this. Makes sense to start off with them, right? Um, and, I mean, by, by the end of May, they already had the number one overall recruit, um, defensive end Brian Breesey, uh, uh, the quarterback DJ uh, Ugalele, uh, the number three overall recruit, Miles Murphy, um, the running back, uh, his name, Demarcus Bowman, five-star uh, cornerback Fred Davis, the second, and uh, DeMonte Capert on board. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious ever since this was going to be not just the best class in the country, but the most highly touted class of Dabo Sweeney's tenure. And, um, and it's worth noting that Alabama is coming very close to passing Clemson for the number one spot, uh, but that doesn't diminish the fact that Clemson has assembled an all-time great class that will keep its program reloading and contending for those national championships. Now, Mike Norvell has done a great job, even though he has been on the job for – uh, I think 15 days is the, the day count that he has been on the job as head coach for the Florida State Seminoles, and he jumped right from a conference title game into taking over the Seminoles, uh, tried to whip some momentum as many and as uh, get in as many home visits as he possibly could, um, and one big official uh, visit weekend that he had uh, this past weekend. Now the the early, the early signing period. Uh, has made these December transitions brutal for new hires. Uh, and, and they've got to, you know, head coaches and the new hires that they have to do and the, the way that they're navigating those um, those players, if you will, uh, are trying to find the right players for your uh, for your program. But they these guys flipped a lot of a lot of kids. Um, they they have the number one uh, number 21, 21 ranked class. They flipped a four star quarterback in Chubba Purdy away from Louisville, and then another one from Louisville. Um, they, they, they persuaded a former three-star um, defensive end commit. Uh, they came back into the fold after a sign, uh, and signed after a brief commitment to Louisville there uh, again. Now, um, the third on this list is uh, Texas A&M. They, they, um, uh, they unveiled uh, today was a good day. Texas A&M had several four-star commits. Uh, two defensive ends um, and an offensive guard in, in Chris Morris, uh, who could have had a change of heart and flipped at the last minute. All three stuck to their pledges and signed. Um, and Harris, uh, Donnell Harris, is one of the defensive ends. He made the most of his moment unzipping his jacket to show off a blue Florida hoodie, which he quickly removed to reveal a white A&M polo. Um, so pretty fantastic stuff there for the for the young people. Um so Jimbo Fisher's second uh, full class in College Station ranks sixth nationally, number one in the state. And that always matters. It's a class that includes 13 four- or five-star players, which will uh, definitely help the Aggies' efforts to break into the blue-chip ratio club. Um, as you know, South Carolina, they, they were able to uh, flip a five-star Jordan Birch, um, uh, as it stands right now, as far as I know, he's not officially signed, uh, but but he is on the way to um, he's on the way to signing. Um, 
Georgia got Birch's uh, last official visit. He was he was uh, having interest from Clemson, LSU, Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama, and there was no clear consensus when where he was heading. Uh, and you know, of course, Clemson being Clemson, they were long assumed to be the favorite. Uh, but Georgia got Birch's last official visit. In the end, he chose to stay home and pick South Carolina to go play school in his own backyard. He did not sign a letter of intent. Uh, but Will Muschamp said that he's absolutely not concerned about that at all. Um, they got the number 17th ranked class for 2020 right now. Um, and a quick note to to just kind of throw in there: um, this is a this is a shout out to Muschamp. Let this dude get a few carries. At running back, he's a six foot five, two hundred and seventy five pound player playing tremendous offense in high school. Uh, there's video out there of him. It, it's crazy. It's tremendous. Uh, Nebraska's Scott Frost uh, is, is another winner. He pulled off an impressive haul, landing ten new scholarship commits and a bunch of critical pieces for their uh, rebuilding efforts. Uh, they they had a lot of uh, uh, four star wideouts, uh, one quarterback in Jaden Francois. Uh, Frank Hoyce, Francois, however you want to – my pronunciation is terrible for those, uh, but you know who I'm talking about. You look him up. Um, Junior college defensive end, uh, Feldarius, um, Feldarius Payne, they they were able to get him as well. So they they, uh, have the number 20th ranked class, and they brought in five JUCO um, transfers to, to address their needs. Um, Omar Manning is uh, is one that they brought in uh, at wide receiver. So it was a five and seven season, uh, disappointed, um, disappointing season. But this is the kind of class that Scott Frost needed to assemble in order to upgrade uh, Nebraska's talent level. That's for sure. Um, Oregon, uh, you know the Ducks' day must have gone well if it compelled Matt Leinhart to declare on Twitter that quote Oregon is the new USC in recruiting on the West Coast. I uh, tell you, Mario Cristobal and, and his staff over there, man, they, they did an exceptional job um, since he took over, and, and their latest conquest was beating out, again, the USC Trojans uh, for getting a five-star linebacker uh, to push their class up to number 16th nationally. And so uh, they, they, they have a, a star-studded a four-star and five-star um, lineup here for their um, on their national signing day. And uh, Manning, I'm trying to find, find him again. Um, Dante Manning is a four-star cornerback. That's another huge one. Manning did sign and send a letter of intent on Wednesday, but he's waiting until the Under Armour All-America game on January 2nd to reveal exactly where he's going. And they're still in contention uh, for five-star cornerback Kelly uh, Keeley Ringo. Uh, Oregon did lose right, wide receiver Johnny Wilson to Arizona State. Uh, and D.B. Miles shoot uh, slusher to Arkansas during the day, but uh, flow alone uh, makes the Ducks worse. Um, Tennessee, we've been really high on Tennessee as of late, and uh, um, there are only 16 programs in the country that finished um, Wednesday with at least 10 four- or five-star recruits in their class. Tennessee is one of them, and that's uh, thanks to a strong finish. Uh, they began the day with a number 20 class, and then they ended ranked 15th. Um, we know that they they got they got uh, wide receiver uh, Jalen Hyatt from Dutch Fork High School, and uh, they they flipped a quarterback Jimmy Holiday from TCU. They landed a three-star defensive tackle in R.J. Perry. Um, uh, we, we we tend to 
I guess you could say that we we in the media kind of uh, make make huge pushes for uh, for programs that um, have their first full year of recruiting, and that staff does. Uh, they put a foundational class that they sign, but the second one is just as essential. And so Pruitt and his coaches did a great job uh, again with both. Um, Maryland, Maryland's up there as well, um, and so. There was a five-star wide receiver, Rakeem Jarrett. He announced he was planning to sit out this week and wait until the February signing day to end his, um, to end his recruitment. On Wednesday morning, the longtime LSU commit announced a very different plan. He signed with Maryland, pulling off the biggest surprise of signing day, as, as you could imagine. Um, even Maryland's head coach uh, says that he didn't see it coming. He said, we had no idea he was signing today. We had no idea he was even coming to us. And all of a sudden, he puts out a tweet that says – uh, committed, and we're like, what is this? And so, um, so persuading an elite player from the DMV to to stay home is a massive feat for Loxley, and it pushes the Terps uh, up to number twenty-seven in the team rankings. And then everybody's, uh, of course, seen Emmett Smith, um, his Pro Football Hall of Famer, and EJ EJ Smith is a player that is uh, going to play his college career at at Stanford, and he, he committed there on Wednesday. And, uh, and Emmett Smith, um, he he encouraged his son. Emmett Smith chose to chose uh, to say that his son has he's able to choose his own path. Chose to blaze his own path and sign with Stanford. And it was a it was a very terrific statement um, be, to be said. Uh, that is for sure. Tell you else something that I wanted to mention uh, during the week shows. Uh, during the weekly shows and the weekdays, uh, let's talk about these social media campaigns that a lot of these uh, that a lot of these programs have. Um, you know, uh, you know, in the Stone Age and how you would how you would announce the teams getting their getting their recruits by a, by a fax machine. You'd have the uh, um, there would be a, a press release, or uh, the coach would hold a press conference, or um, the, the internet demanded more. Uh, first came fax, uh, fax cameras, then came the signing day, uh, signing day graphics, and then um, whatever Oklahoma did last year, uh, if you remember any of that. Now, Wednesday, uh, two schools went in entirely different directions and took signing day videos to the next level, and maybe years before anyone uh, tops them after this. Now, Notre Dame, Notre Dame made a lot of rooms dusty Wednesday morning. Um, they, the social media team there for the Fighting Irish, they began posting videos narrated by each signee's parents. And uh, the, the article on The Athletic highlights some of them, and it says, uh, you know, try and watch these without tearing up. Now, Baylor took it the opposite uh, attack to try and introduce the Bears signees. Instead of trying to make you cry, uh, Baylor's videos aim to uh, make you smile. Uh, because who expects a bunch of big, strong football players to get introduced in, in puppet form. That's right. You heard me. Uh, puppet form. Now, um, you know, how did these videos come to exist? Now, Notre Dame, they say that, the, that uh, these videos were n- nearly eight months in the making. Um, they, they came up with the uh, class hashtag Irishbound last spring, and then they brainstormed video concepts that would uh, play off of that theme. Now, why so early? Um, you know, you have to start showing, uh, shooting the footage when guys come on their official visits. Um, because of a recent NCAA rule change that allows players to make official visits in the spring of their junior year of high school, the Irish had 
had to have a concept in place before potential signees arrived on campus. Now, four members of Notre Dame's 2020 class made their official visits in April, and another eight uh, visited in June when they came to South Bend. Part of their visit included a photo and video shoot uh, for use in potential promotional material, and that, that's exactly what they did. Um, and so now with um, Baylor's puppet show, uh, they didn't start that until about two months ago. The Bears created some buzz in October with their Bob Ross-themed uh, 2020 schedule announcement, and uh, Coach Matt Rule challenged his creative team to top that on National Signing Day. So, um, get, so get this, a little inspiration from uh, Kobe and LeBron, uh, the team pitch puppets. Uh, and so uh, they – they had no idea the puppets would look so much like um, like the actual uh, commits, and so they I think they did a very excellent job. So, and needless to say, the the, the Nike um, the gear Nike normally ships to the football complex was a little big, so it was time to go shopping. And the team members hit a store in Waco with with a puppet to try on Nike clothes and shoes. Now the office is littered with tiny sneakers. Um, spokesman said we uh, probably have six pairs of baby Jordans. They would high end on the shoe selection. So, uh, and, and and just how they were able to put all of these together, it was just uh, was just incredible. But, um, like, let's just talk about these social media campaigns because it's incredible to see all of these things that, that these uh, these programs are putting together and what they're doing. Uh, Syracuse embracing a superhero comic book theme with custom graphics for each of each of their signees. Um, so like uh, one was uh you know doc you know you have Doctor Strange well this one is Doctor Mang uh, they 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 have a player Kansas State they came up with custom Lego figures for each new player uh, which culminated in this excellent uh, class photo um, you can you can go on to their uh, Twitter at Case Hate FB um, gosh the, all these Legos here uh, of of all the players and you know probably just put them put them in this box. Uh, and, and say this is a national signing day, the building blocks. And so play on words. It's, it's excellent. And then, uh, Washington's similar with uh, approach with what appears to be uh, custom McFarland action figures for, for their signees. And then Rutgers went with the Netflix theme for their signing announcement. It probably had to be uh, uh, very popular with the kids. I encourage you to check that one out as well at, uh, at our football um, and just uh, the, it's very, it's very cool that nobody, nobody took it to the level of Oklahoma. Um, they, they, their signing day campaign featured very individual logos for each of their signees, um, murals in Atlanta, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Oklahoma City, and an Instagram augmented reality experience to go with them. And the production quality of this video is stunning. And I wish that this was a a television. Um, show that which I can be able to tell you, but uh, or to show you, but I can only tell you to go to uh, Twitter and go to at Lincoln Riley. Um, and may and I'm I'm even thinking after the show, you know, I'll go on Twitter and be able to find these myself and be able to uh, put them uh, up at SO Sports Central so you can be able to check them out. But they are uh, they are very stellar, um, very stellar recruiting uh, recruiting videos, recruiting class videos. Uh, to be put together, they they continue to go above and beyond each and every year. I'd be surprised what happens next, um, or maybe again, then I won't because you know this is uh, this is National Signing Day after all, um, and it's uh, slowly starting to become the uh, first day uh, of you know National Signing Days. 
for, for years to come. Now, now the one loser, uh, the point of this is not to pile on. There really are losers on signing day. Um, USC situation uh, for the Trojans there is unique and complex enough that it's hard to actually um, really compare it to anyone else's class. Now, um, now when you when you when can you say that you've ever seen uh, you know one of the truly elite traditional powers in college football recruiting end up with results like this? They they're ranked currently 78th, uh, the number 78 class in the 24/7 Sports Composite rankings. I guess still they put them. Between Bowling Green and Louisiana, this is the lowest-rated class in the Pac-12, um, although the class size with 11 signees is a big part of that. Um, they, they inked one blue-chip recruit. Uh, that's an offensive lineman, and he's the nation's number 350th uh, prospect. Now, USC has been losing um, a lot of their uh, a lot of the players from the state uh, going up to Oregon or just going elsewhere. They, they had a um, – they, they – they, they missed to pull off a surprise flip for a running back who ended up going to Texas, a cornerback going to LSU, and a former quarterback commit, Bryce Young, he ends up going to Alabama. Um, among the top 25 recruits in the state of California for the 2020 cycle, only one signed with an in-state school on Wednesday, and he's going to Stanford. He's going to Stanford. In fairness, USC can still land four-star Wide receiver Gary Bryant Jr., again, if they haven't already or if he has not made his decision, uh, but the number seven recruit in the state, adding another great, great wide receiver to this team is really not going to uh, fix much. And this and this really is unfortunate for uh, the Trojans, um, especially because it, it's hard to it's hard to put into words the, the, the way that they're suffering. Because Clay Helton... I, I think has outlasted. Um, he's probably extended his stay with with the USC Trojans. He's. He, I think he's a great coach. I do believe he is a great coach. Uh, just not in the system that that USC is accustomed to uh, winning, of course. And they, they've they've had um, they've had success, but not in recent years. And this is a team that you're used to seeing in the top 25. You know, every single year, uh, going to a bowl game and and winning. And winning, winning a lot, uh, you know, possibly even you know, going undefeated. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest, the, the days of Pete Carroll are, are long gone. They've been long gone for years. And uh, it's hard to – it's just hard to encapsulate. Um, that, that That's the success that USC is used to. That's the success that they want to see again. Um, but, again, it's, it's going to it's, – it's going to be whether or not they – uh, are, are going to be in the coaching search next year because Clay Clay Helton, mark my words, by this time, by this time next year, I, I want to say that Clay Helton is going to be let go from from the Trojans um, football program because the, the progress is very slow and patience is wearing thin over there in Southern Cal, and uh, the, this is, I mean, this just speaks to a true testament of uh, if you're going to. If you're going to pull together a number 78 um, recruiting class in the last recruiting class in, in your conference in your division, um, what what exactly does that look like? That, that can't look good. It does not look good. Um, but I, I digress. And there's a lot of more. There's a lot more success to be to be had. I know that Alabama has a lot to look forward to. This was uh, this is very disappointing that they. Their season does not end, um, or, or their season does not continue with a playoff berth. 
um, or even a national uh, championship for that matter. They go they go ten and two um, and have no chance of um, of extending that more than just the one bowl game that they have been uh, invited to. I think that game is against Michigan. And fun story: the last time that Michigan played uh, Alabama or or Alabama played Michigan, uh, Tom Brady was the quarterback over there for the uh, for the Wolverines. So. Uh, with that, I'm going to transition into uh, talking to some more uh, college football or, or college sports, if you will. Uh, and I'm going to continue this conversation. Uh, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about it because it is, it's quite a hefty topic. I'll tell you what, I am going to take a break because to, just to gather all of the information that I can and try to uh, deliver this, um, deliver all of this information outright and forthcoming um, as accurate as I can. And so I am uh, – I'm definitely going to, again, try to uh, – stick, sticking to the facts and sticking to the, the reality and the truth of the story. So uh, with that, I'm going to take a quick time out here. Um, time is 924. Uh, again, if you want to call into the show, uh, let, let, let me know what you think about the, the, the action with uh, high school, college, NFL football, uh, or even – uh, what I just covered with the recruiting classes, uh, like, please, please, by all means, let me know. Uh, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. Again, that number is 323-784-9681. Uh, you got that, right? All right. You're listening to the Fifth Quarter Radio Show right here on uh, Southern Sports Central, part of the Block Talk Radio Network.
And everybody, time is 9.28. Uh, got about maybe another half hour with you folks here on uh, Southern Sports Central, this fifth quarter radio show. I uh, want to thank all of our sponsors. Of course, Garen's Pharmacy is uh, a sponsor of the studio. Of course, I am on, uh, I'm on location um, elsewhere. But, uh, you know, big thanks to them for uh, sponsoring the studio. Of course, the Matt's Burgers uh, for the hotline, uh, for the phone lines that we, that we reach every day. Uh, if you want to reach us, uh, like on, on the social media platforms, like, uh, like Facebook and Twitter, please, uh, give us a like and a, and a thumbs up on, on Facebook and we're, we're there at uh, Southern Sports Central uh, on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Um, and that, that's an important SO Sports Central. And of course you'll see our logo of, of the, the Southeast. Um, and, we we have a lot of fun uh, on our Twitters, a lot of um, a lot of conversations, a lot of polls, if you will, um, quite quite a few polls that that happen uh, in and out um, as topics come and go. Now, I want to kind of spend the the last half hour of this show, uh, unless they, unless anybody calls and wants to to join in on the conversation again. Number is three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. So without further ado, uh, this, this topic is very hard to uh, really talk about. Um, James Wiseman uh, was the number one recruit in the class of 2019, and he was projected to be a, a top five pick, if not the uh, number one pick, maybe, uh, in in this uh, uh, next year's upcoming uh, 2020 NBA draft. And he started to play at Memphis, and his career was uh, it was not over before it started, but it didn't last very long either. Uh, so just to recap, um, Penny Hardaway is a Hall of Fame um, Hall of Fame basketball player, and now he is he's the coach of uh, Memphis, the Memphis Tigers, uh, where James Wiseman uh, ended up playing. Now Penny Hardaway moves. James Wiseman's family to Memphis. They they win a state title together. Penny then becomes the coach at Memphis, and he recruits Wiseman to Memphis. And after three games, Penny leads a fight against the NCAA on behalf of Wiseman, only for Wiseman to leave school after one semester with five games still uh, to go in his suspension. So you ask if this is shocking? Well, in a way, it is. Um. Uh, it just doesn't make sense um, for for James Wiseman to to make this decision the way the way that he did or the way that he has for that matter. 
Um, if you're going to skip college, why not why not make that decision while you can still play somewhere else and get paid for it? Uh, I, I think of the the uh, Lamelo balls and the the RJ Hamptons that are um, over on the other side of the world right now that are that are uh, playing they're playing games and um, you know Hamptons playing in New Zealand, Lamelo ball is playing in. Um, Australia, and they're getting paid, and they're they're projected to go number one and number two. Wiseman probably at three. Uh, and and there, there's a lot of there's a lot of implications uh, for this for this decision uh, that James Wiseman with, withdraws uh, from the from playing at Memphis or, or or being at Memphis, and decides to hire an agent and go to the NBA draft. This all came um, on the cusp of conversation uh, Tuesday morning. He, uh, you know, James Wiseman, he made a, uh, he, he put up a post on Instagram, and I, I will read it in part. Today, I formally withdrew from the University of Memphis, and I will be preparing for the next chapter of my life. Ever since I was a little kid, it's been a dream of mine to play in the NBA. Throughout this process, I've asked God to ordain my steps and lead me in the right direction. God is my Lord and salvation, and throughout this process, he has conformed me, uh, comforted me. I'm sorry, comforted. Uh, throughout this process, he has comforted me. This was not how I expected my freshman season to be, but I'm thankful for everyone who has supported my family and me throughout this process. I want to thank the coaches and staff for all of their support and my teammates for pushing me every day at practice. I feel blessed for the opportunity to be a Tiger and for having the honor to play with these special group of guys. I can't wait to see what all they accomplish this season. The friends and fans of Tiger Nation will always hold a place in my heart. Hashtag go Tigers go. You know, I would imagine that it, that it was a very uh, tough decision. He's missed the past seven games due to a 12-game suspension stemming from an NCAA investigation. And he was set to return at South Florida on January 12th. But instead, he announced that uh, he would be leaving the program and hire an agent and prepare for the 2020 NBA draft. Uh, like I said, projected number number three pick in the upcoming draft. Um, in only three games that he played, uh, he averaged 19, 19.7 points, 10.7 rebounds, and three blocks. I, which I think is very good for a for a player. Um, he's seven foot stands at seven foot one. He's a center. He was suspended after the school admitted that Penny Hardaway made an eleven thousand five hundred dollar payment to Wiseman's mother in twenty seventeen before accepting the head coaching job at his alma mater. Now, I'm just putting this into context here. How, um, what what this means, and just all of this, like what what all of this is meaning right now. Per the NCAA, Hardaway's $1 million donation to the school in 2008 made him a booster, and therefore his payment to Wiseman's mother was an improper benefit. The school vowed to appeal the NCAA's ruling, and Wiseman's lawyers filed for a temporary injunction that allowed Wiseman to play while the investigation continued. But the NCAA announced the 12-game suspension last month, and the school lost its appeal. So because Hardaway back in 2008 makes a $1 million donation to his alma mater, that makes him a booster. And him paying $11,500 or 
a g- gifting, not even payment, but it's a gift to Wiseman's mom in 2017 before Penny Hardaway became the head coach at Memphis. He gives us payment so that they can be able to move to Memphis so that he can play high school in Memphis. He eventually becomes um, he, he eventually becomes recruited by Memphis. He, he chooses Memphis, James Wiseman. He chooses Memphis and then goes on to play only three games. To me, there, to me, there's a lot to dissect here. One is that the NCAA is trying, trying their hardest to grasp however much power. They're, they're trying to flex as much power as they can. Uh, they are trying to, of course, just um, uh, trying to show that they are still in charge. Um, there are a lot of players that are, in general, seeking alternative paths to avoid the NCAA. Um, so you're talking about this um, Steve Kerr, who was, is the uh, Golden State Warriors head coach. He was asked his thoughts are um, his thoughts on Wiseman leaving school. He said that he couldn't talk specifically about a prospect, uh, but the players, again, in general, they're seeking alternative paths. Two of the top prospects are playing professionally. This is a quote by Steve Kerr. Two of the top prospects are playing professionally in Australia. I think the trend is guys are at least starting to think of other options. I know there's been players who have just taken a year off or played at the IMG Academy until they were draft eligible. So the NBA is getting a lot better with player development through the G League. I know there's been talk of, of changing the rule in terms of draft eligibility. Uh, so there's all kinds of things stirring out there, and it looks like players are considering their options. Now, something to note here, that it's, it's an NCAA rule. No, no, it's an NBA rule that a player must be at least 19, one year removed from high school, uh, or 19 years of age, I think, that's the rule, in order to enter the NBA draft. Uh, the last notable names that, that came into um, that came into the league straight from high school would be uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary's very own LeBron James, uh, or, or better yet, um, I think Dwayne Wade, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, excuse me, uh, can be one as well. I think he, I don't know if he went straight from high school or he, he was uh, enrolled at, a, at an institution. If he was, I think it may have been Duke or Kentucky or one of the, uh, or one of the big name, um, one of the bigger name schools that produces uh, basketball uh, talent. But it, it's hard to, to really think about this. And, um, and so talk about the team's success. Uh, Memphis seemed capable of evolving into a national title contender. The ceiling for the program, however, is lower now with Wiseman's departure. And, and this year in, in college basketball and college hoops, there's really no uh, clear-cut choice of who the winner is. I mean, you have a, a, bunch of the, um, a bunch of these schools that have been ranked number one, and right now it's been the curse of number one. Uh, North Carolina fell, Duke fell, Louisville fell. Uh, I'm sorry, Louisville. 
uh, talk with marbles in your mouth when you when you say Louisville. And the the, the Memphis Tigers right now they are seven and zero without Wiseman in a streak that includes uh, last Saturday's fifty one forty seven victory over nationally ranked uh, Tennessee team. Um, and, and so th- this leads into this leads into a, another thing an article that was put out. Um, just uh, three short days ago that um, NCAA President Mark uh, Emmert, he met with legislators in Washington, D.C. as as the demand for uh, changes in the rules, uh, they, they grow. Uh, he spent a large amount of his time in, uh, in D.C. in the latter half of 2019. He said last week that the vast majority of his workload is now focused on navigating a minefield of legal and legislative challenges to what he calls the, quote, collegiate model of sports. Um, Those various challenges are all attempts to reform a system that NCAA stakeholders and the general public agree has outgrown its amateur roots and needs to create new ways for athletes to share in the fruits of a multi-billion dollar industry. Amid deteriorating public confidence in the NCAA and Emmert's ability to fix their own problems, the longtime president is looking for help from a group that the NCAA has previously tried hard to avoid, federal lawmakers. Now, it was during a panel discussion at the Aspen Institute on Tuesday, Emmert said that he was profoundly concerned about the lack of trust the public has in the NCAA. He disagreed with the notion that going to Congress was a last resort, but said, quote, it's an appropriate time given where we are on the issue. And so he he joined senators um, in the first meeting of a bipartisan political group that plans to examine college athlete compensation. Um, more more senators as a bipartisan uh, panel who they had staff members. Uh, there was a meeting on Tuesday about it. Um, now, uh, Chris Murphy from Connecticut and uh, Senator Mitt Romney from Utah, uh, they have both been outspoken critics of the NCAA in the past several months, and they said that while they started meeting with Emmert, they intend to listen to several other constituents, especially athletes, while trying to create new laws that, that, that shape – uh, college sports. I tell you, in re- in recent years, and it's been going on for forever, but it's only in recent years that the NCAA has started to be called out on these things. And the, this the the obvious flex of power, the, the the grip that the NCAA is trying to tighten on on its disciplinary measures. I call it coincidence, if you will. Call it if you. Um, if you want to say this just this happenstance that that's pure coincidence, all of these things that are that are going on in the world of, of college athletics lately, the the surrounding uh, the the bill for for name image likeness, it's already passed in California. So uh, California's got three about three more years until uh, their their athletes will will get paid for their name image likeness that doesn't mean that they're going to get paid you know three thousand dollars to to play in a game no no that means that if they uh have jerseys with their names and numbers on them which if if you look around a college campus or, or go around um a college game day um i can i can attest to this at clemson they, they still have deshaun watson jerseys and deshaun watson jerseys were, were unique because uh he wore a number that was retired and it became unretired for a short amount of time, but he had the little um, 
he had the patch on his shoulder that said Fuller and the number four. It had the years uh, which uh, the, the Hall of Famer or the Clemson Hall of Famer uh, played at Clemson back in the 70s. And so there are a bunch of those around on, on, uh, on the college campus at Clemson, even, even now, even today. Uh, and, and Deshaun Watson has not played at Clemson for three years, going on four. Um, so it, it, it's hard to put that all together. That's why, that's why EA Sports no longer makes an NCAA football game. Now with this name, image, and likeness bill, at least they can make it in California or, or make it only unique to, uh, uh, to California teams. And there's a lot of uh, college teams in California. But, I mean, it's really nothing compared to the SEC or the East Coast um, football, for that matter. But I, I digress. The NCAA willing to be part of this conversation, they, they are looking for a solution. The, the NCAA has turned to Congress for a national solution um, after individual states uh, took the lead uh, in creating laws about college athlete compensation. Now, now California state legislators unanim- unanimously passed a law in September. This was September, yes, that will make it illegal for schools in their state to punish an athlete for, for, for profiting from his or her name, image, or likeness starting in 2023. Uh, more than 20 other states have um, introduced or shown interest in similar proposals, some of which could go into effect as soon as this coming summer in 2020. The NCAA has been nothing but an association, a governing body that, and this is clearly entirely my opinion, but the NCAA has really only been a, a, a segue for athletes that transition from high school in order to uh, play in professional sports, and, and, it, and it's been a segue. Um, unless you want to play MLB, you you go to a, you go to a program to play baseball to I, I, to become a better player to be, to to develop uh, to be better developed and in, into being a better player. With MLB, you can you can be drafted right out of high school if if you're talented enough and you're in that you're in that MLB pipeline of what they want. Um. That doesn't always guarantee that you are going to go straight to the majors. You're going to have to spend some time probably uh, down in the minor leagues and in the farm teams. And um, there, there's there's this one outlier I remember reading back in the summer that there was a player who was expected to go number one overall um, in in this next year's upcoming MLB draft. He's from Georgia. He's going to go play ball in Japan for the next six years and get paid close to $2 million. And, and that's a knock on the uh, minor league baseball's pay system. That's, that's a knock on, on a lot of things uh, in, in regards to the system that MLB uh, has uh, implemented, that the MLB has in place. Uh, with, with football, you, you've got to really be a man to go into a, a grown man's uh, sport that is uh, football in the NFL. Uh, you have to uh, at least be a junior uh, or, or in your third year, and then you can uh, commit and go to the draft, or 
uh, you can stay and play for for a full four years, uh, but you go to these programs to develop as a player, and then you go into the NFL. And the NFL, uh, you know, they're, they're not really a developmental league, but um, you know, they 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 have the they have these players and the sets and the skills that they have, and uh, the NFL is what it is. The NBA has been a very popular sport in recent years because of just how um, how uh, open that the, the players are, uh, the, the many storylines that there are in the sport. And it, everywhere that you look, there's a new story coming out, um, some kind of storyline about one thing or another. And James Wiseman's um, decision – uh, and so this, this, we're gonna we're gonna come back full circle to this. We're gonna do we're gonna we did a 360 around all these sports and then talking about them. Now we're gonna come back to basketball. James Wiseman, I do believe, made made the right decision for him. Now was it the right decision? Well, you, know, you debate that. Um, but I it, it's it's hard. I think that it was hard for him just to sit on the bench when when he knows that he could be out there playing. And and this was to no this um, this ruling really and truly was to no fault of his own because of a a one million dollar donation almost a decade ago by by an alumnus and a Hall of Fame um, basketball player in Penny Hardaway. And then he he makes a, a, a donation, a, a charitable donation, if you will, to to Wiseman's mom, so that, that he can move to, so that they can move to Memphis. It's all coincidence here, to me anyway. And the way that I see it, it, it is um, it's sad that he had to make this decision. Now it, it came as a shock, but um, I mean, nonetheless, I certainly wish him. Uh, nothing but the best. Um, if, if this is the right decision for him, then it is the right decision, and um, nothing that I say or do um, can challenge that. I'm, I'm sure that nothing anybody says or does uh, can challenge him in, the, in that decision. He he made a decision for what is best for him and for his career. Um, still quoting the article. Uh, on ESPN talking about the, the NCAA meeting with lawmakers. To that end, the NCAA's Board of Governors tasked its member schools with developing new rules that, that would allow athletes, quote, the opportunity to benefit from their name, image, and likeness while also maintaining a collegiate model that prioritizes education and makes a clear distinction between college sports and professional leagues. At the Division One level, a group of 18 athletic directors, university presidents, and other stakeholders are taking the lead on turning that open-ended mandate into a set of concrete changes. Um, PR, this, this, this just reeks of PR, <laughs> being honest. Um, President-elect of the Drake Group, um, Donna Lapeno, uh, she says, um, Inc. Yes, uh, heads a reform-minded group focused on academic integrity in college sports. Says she has met with rough, rough, roughly 60 politicians on Capitol Hill in recent months and found they unanimously lack faith in the NCAA. 
And she goes goes on to say, the NCAA is not a respected body anymore. I think that's going to show. And so the president of the NCAA, Emmert, told the senators that he met with Tuesday, um, the senators that he met with Tuesday, that it was important to maintain the distinction between college and professional sports. That has been a core principle of what it means to be a college athlete throughout the 110-year history of the NCAA. It's not clear if the century-old association will be able to set its own definition for what it means to be a college athlete for much longer. And this was an ESPN article written by uh, Dan Murphy. Uh, um, they speak to the NCAA, just the, the, the joke. I, I don't I don't mean to come off harsh when I'm talking about the NCAA. I, I, I have at least a little bit of respect for what they stand for, but just the policies and the outdatedness and out of so out of touch that they are, it, it's a it's a challenge for me to talk good about them. Yes, they create opportunities for young people to get an education. Yes, they create opportunities for these young athletes to potentially go and play at the next level wherever they decide to go. Yes, it is, it is imperative that the NCAA is at least there. But the, the joke that it has become in recent years, have you ever noticed, I don't know about you, have you ever noticed how much, um, how many NCAA commercials that there are now um, whenever you're watching a, whenever you're watching a game? Uh, I, I think that, um, uh, Jerry Rice is uh, highlighting one of these commercials talking about uh, the, the NCAA uh, opportunities that, like, uh, um, they're talking about. There there are this many um, – I, I forget the exact number. There are these many student-athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means whatever many are not going to – they're not going to uh, sign a shoe deal. They're not going to have uh, extensive fan clubs, private jets. All of these things. Instead, they will walk away with something much more. And Jerry Rice graduated from, I think it was Mississippi State University, with a bachelor, uh, with a bachelor degree. And kudos to him. I'm not, I'm not going to knock uh, a, a Hall of Fame great, but I, I get where he's coming from. But at the same time, I just feel like it's a P, that that continues to be a PR stunt by the NCAA. And you go, you go to NCAA.com slash opportunities, um, and, they, and they highlight these. Um, they, they highlight these things. And not to mention uh, the, the heat that they got for a commercial that they, that they put out of uh, – uh, you remember this one? It was a day in the life of a student athlete. And uh, it, it, it follows uh, – the, the camera is, of course, strapped on to this, uh, this one guy, the actor's chest. And it's pointing to him, and you, basically what you see is that, you know, he wakes up, um, he goes, gets his breakfast in the dining hall, goes to his 8 a.m. classes. You see him raise his hand like he's actually involved, and then you, you continue to go um, you go throughout his day. He goes to practice, and then, um, and then, and then like, the, the game itself, and, and he's there. He hits the game-winning uh, game shot, and then he goes home or, or back to his dorm, and uh, I guess today was a good day, right? And then wake up and do it all over again. No, uh, no. Um, a lot of college athletes, actual college athletes, um, uh, called the NCAA out on that, and I think that they had the commercial sense removed. It's probably still somewhere on YouTube if you type it in. Um, 
but just a lot of the outreach that, that the NCAA has been uh, trying to uh, put out there in recent years. Um, I, I, I can just remember watching football games for as long as I can remember, and I, I didn't see I didn't start to see these NCAA ads until um, until about a year or two years ago. Um, and so to go back, James Wiseman and his decision to leave uh, Memphis and to hire a um, to hire an agent to prepare for the draft. That's the decision that he is. Um, that he's putting up for himself, uh, that he has made for himself. Um, so then the question, the last question, is how much does this hurt Penny Hardaway at Memphis? Um, uh, the Athletic had a roundtable discussion on this, uh, uh, on this surrounding topic, and uh, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the writers said, unless Wiseman comes out and torches Hardaway for some unknown reason, which I assume is doubtful, it won't hurt him in the grand scheme of things. Uh, he still went to bat hard uh, to fight the NCAA on Wiseman's behalf, I'm talking about uh, Penny Hardaway. Uh, he's still pe- Penny Hardaway at that, I'm guessing, uh, will still resonate with recruits. Um, it would help if there was some sort of explainer, why now, why bother, questions, uh, that would clear up any misgivings people might have. And it will certainly hurt Memphis fans who were so giddy about Wiseman going to Memphis that they threw him a parade. Um, that, could backfire, that could backfire on Hardaway, presumably, if this season doesn't go well. But I'd argue that love for Penny is so greater, so much greater than the love for Wiseman. Now, where it hurts the most? An NCAA investigation is still coming, I guess. Uh, this is this is the uh, report here from The Athletic. Um, that Wiseman was penalized does not absolve Memphis and Hardaway of the issue that a booster paid to move a recruit. And, and so, again, it depends on how we define hurt. Um, somebody else said a lot, potentially. The vision for Wiseman at Memphis when he signed was this. Come to Memphis, have an unbelievable year, and buy for a national title. Go number one in the NBA draft. Instead, he... Uh, it's been only drama since the presumptive number one pick got to campus. When he got to campus. Uh, the best part of landing Wiseman was not having him in uniform. It was much bigger than having him for 30-some-odd games. It was the ability to claim him as the number one pick in the draft, to hold him up as the shining example of why you should come to Memphis if your ultimate goal is the NBA. Wiseman has gone after a grand total of three games. Now, well, Hardaway – uh, even be in the green room with Wiseman? Will Wiseman claim Memphis? Uh, after everything that happened in this brief time at school, Memphis was counting on these things. Now that all very much is in peril. Now, I don't think that the relationship between Wiseman and his uh, um, and Penny Hardaway is diminished in any way. I don't think that there's any ill will or anything like that towards, uh, towards this program. But uh, approaching the final minute, I, I do want to speak my piece on this. Um, uh, the, the NCAA backed a player into uh, into a corner where he had to make a decision: does he want to um, continue to play and potentially, you know, hurt himself or something, or does he look to the future? And and he made a choice looking to the future. Memphis has a tremendous love for Penny Hardaway. Memphis has tremendous love for, um, I think, tremendous love for James Wiseman. Um, it's unfortunate the events that happened, but. I spoke my two cents, and uh, now it's the end of the show. So I, I want to thank you all for tuning in to this uh, Saturday morning edition of the, the Fifth Quarter Radio Show. 
Uh, my name is Will Porter. Be sure to tune in again. Uh, come Monday morning, got a packed show. Richie will be back um, hosting the show. I'll be the one behind pressing the button. Until then, good night and have a good weekend. Party on